0: Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go.
1: I beat Lampy in the semis, and I remember um, as you're coming out, they like interview you,
0: and they were like, "Oh, like how does it
1: feel being the underdog?" And that was like the first time in my head, because you know, even though other people might have been thinking that, and the seeds said it, like my family, um, my training partners, my coaches, you know, we all kind of just thought I was gonna win.
0: We can endure anything and adapt. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look
1: back at my time, that's good wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Wrestling Change My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. I'm on my last day of vacation and I forgot my microphone. So I'm recording the intros on my iPhone. Please forgive the poor audio quality. Okay, let's get to it. My guest today is Haley Agello, 2016 Olympian, 2013 Cadet World Champ, and my favorite credential, she's from the Chicago area, a real assassin on the map. I had a great time talking with Haley and hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to Guy Harris, University of Tennessee Chattanooga alum, Clearwater Beach, Florida resident. Thank you so much for listening, Guy. I appreciate it. That's it, folks. Let's get to the show with Haley Agello. Alright, we're here with Haley Agello. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing real well. I hear you're out in Iowa City right now. What's the uh what's the vibe like coming off of Midlands? Are the guys back yet or are they still kinda on Yeah.
1: Break? Yeah, I just actually saw them this morning when we went in for the lift. Um they were getting back on the mat, had some stadium runs to do, so they're just right back into staying <laughs> intense with that hawkeye um mentality so it's pretty cool to
0: see running stadiums already that's crazy now have you trained <laughs> out at Iowa City in the Hawkeye Club a lot over the years
1: no this is actually my first time ever coming out here to train and it's actually the first time I've been back here since 2016 Olympic trials so it's like nostalgic and really cool to be back here and have all those memories come back right before um, trials coming up here in a couple months
0: man because yeah I'm sure you warm up in the wrestling room during an event like that is that safe to say yeah Okay. God, I mean, so that's the, truly the first time since 2016 that you've been back in that room? Yeah. Oh, my God. That, <clears throat> I can imagine, you know, a little bit of nerves, a little bit of excitement. So, I mean, when you when you kind of put your train together, and I was talking to Allie, who I know you're training with now, about this, how do you decide where you're going to go during a given week and if you're going to train <clears throat> in Colorado, overseas, or Iowa City? Like, how, is that something you just kind of do one-off, or is it all planned and articulated?
1: Um, I think with women's wrestling right now, a lot of it's like when an opportunity is presented to you, um, you have to decide if it's something you want to jump on or if it's not the right time in your training. Um, I know, uh, with like the RTCs growing for women, um, it's starting, you know, slowly but surely, but right now we don't really have that many opportunities and, um, Hawkeye is really, um, the only RTC with, uh, several girls on it. So yeah. Um, when they asked me if I want to come out and train, you know, I jumped on it because Allie's a silver medalist, Kayla Miracle's great, you know, Forrest is intense, Michaela Beck's, um, up and coming younger girls. So it's nice to get away from the training center every once in a while and like, see how, you know, these D1 college guys do it, how other RTCs do it and just, um, soak up everything, um, especially what, when these RTCs are growing and starting to become, um, more of a thing for women.
0: Well, it kind of reminds me of what you did in high school because, from what I've read, you would practice with the lockport team, but after a certain point in high school, you did your own kind of international circuit.
1: Yeah. Um, after my freshman year of high school, um, I had never really wrestled girls' division ever. I had always grown up wrestling guys. So, um, after my freshman year of high school, I started, my dad sort of asked me if I wanted to do, you know, body bar and like, Oh, you can make a world team. It's really cool. And you'll know, wrestle girls. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Like I never really knew that was an option. So what's body after body? my freshman year? Yeah. I started wrestling more Well, competition wise wrestling only girls. And I think that gave me more confidence because going into my sophomore year of high school, I started getting beat up by these boys. Cause you know, they were getting stronger and bigger. And I was just like, really, you know, taking a blow to my confidence. Cause guys that I had beaten since I was eight years old were starting to beat me. And I was like, Am I just bad at wrestling now? Like, what's going on? (laughs) And so then I would start um, going and competing against uh, girls and women, and I was doing really well, and I was like, you know what? This is what I need to be doing. It's not like I can go and wrestle on a D1 men's college team when high school's over. I have to figure out what I'm going to do as a woman in a male-dominant sport, especially in Illinois where there's not that many women wrestlers.
0: Right, right. And so you – What was the circuit like for women wrestling at that time, female wrestling at that time? Was there like a cadet, a junior, that whole thing?
1: The, in 2011, that was the first year they brought back Cadet Worlds. Um, and that was the year that I made the team, and um, I ended up winning Cadet Worlds that year. But that was the first year they brought back the Cadet World Championships. It had been, they had taken it away, I think, for like 15 years. Um, and then 2011 was the first year they had it back. So that was really my first option to compete internationally. It was my first time ever overseas. Wow. Um, And one of my first, you know, one of my first few tournaments wrestling only girls. So
0: I can't imagine how awesome it must be to, to wrestle with, with girls for the first time. and Finally see that. Yeah. You are the shit. You are really good. Like it's gotta be such a relief after, I mean, everyone knows how much of a grind the high school season is, especially college, and like you go from beating these kids in IKWF and doing really well regardless of guy or girl, you know, you, you were doing really well and then you get in there it's like to no fault of your own just through like boys hitting puberty and testosterone things change. Like how frustrating was that for you? Was it did you ever like kind of go through a period where you questioned wrestling at all or
1: Yeah, um I I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep wrestling once I got to high school um and I remember like this is one of one one of my most pivotal moments in wrestling. Um, I had told my dad and I think my dad must have called Joe Williams at the time who was the head coach. And then Josh Oster was the assistant coach at the time. He called them and, uh, he was a biology teacher. So in the back, he like had like a little tiny room and it was at like the freshman center, which had no air conditioning. And it was right after summer. So it was so hot. And they like pulled me back into this little room and it's I'm like sweating. And they're like, you know we need a 103 pounder so you you can't quit. your dad told us you want to quit, but we actually
0: need you. We don't have anyone else so
1: you can't. And I was like, okay <laughs> like, and after that I just like I never really thought of it again.
0: What so, brought you to that point though to get there?
1: I think I was nervous to be on a team because growing up, I always had my little brother. so like any he he can go in a room and make friends and then those friends were automatically my friends and all of my friends were boys. And then going into a high school room without my brother, because he's a year younger than me. Yeah. Um, I was like nervous kind of. I was nervous that I wasn't gonna fit in or the guys wouldn't like me or you know, wouldn't I wouldn't have no one would want to be my partner. And I know those are like silly things looking back to think of, but like at the time that was like something that really like terrified me is like everyone being like, Oh, like why do I have to wrestle the girl? Like, I don't want right. to be your partner, you know. So I think that like really scared me. And then after the first week, you know, those guys were like my best friends, and were super accepting and welcoming, and um, yeah, never once made me feel uncomfortable or unwanted. So it was it was a good atmosphere.
0: Well, plus it's like, high school is a really it's kind of a tough time for anyone because it's like so much insecurity, and you don't know you don't know what's gonna happen, and you know you're really trying to figure out life. And so I can imagine also there's the fact that. Like, did your friends who were girls ever give you shit or give you a hard time because you're the only one wrestling?
1: Um, I didn't really, honestly, growing up, I only had, like, a small group of girlfriends yeah. and they were, like, a lot of them, one of them was, you know, in the choir, so she didn't care. She was getting made of, made fun of for different things, so, <laughs> like, she was, like, nerdy and then, like, you know, and then there was, like, the mean girls that made fun of me for being on a, on a boy sport or, like having muscles and stuff like that. And I think just like having the guys support and then thinking like, Oh, what you're doing is cool. And like, who cares what these people think? Like I had a good group of friends. I didn't really care to go make friends with these people that didn't really accept my lifestyle, you know?
0: Right. Well, then it's like fast forward 10 years, whatever it was, you're on the Olympics and it's like, man, I mean, clearly you made the right move. So it's just, it's just incredible to see that trajectory. If we go way back before high school, even, um, how did you get involved with wrestling? I guess was your family a big wrestling family, and like how did you get involved with the force and that whole thing?
1: Um, so we grew up in like downtown Chicago, and then um, when we had when my parents had my youngest sister, we moved to the suburbs, and um, my little brother started wrestling, and he was just like a tiny little guy, like thirty six pounds or something. So he would go to practice, and he wouldn't really have any partners because he was so small. Right. So he would go to practice and him and my dad would go and they would come home and then they would, he would do the moves on me like upstairs in one of the bedrooms. So like he we would, he would pretty much go through two practices a night because he would go watch and then he would come home and then he would uh, like work the moves on me. And then sometimes, you know, I would jokingly like, you know, try it and stuff like that. And then me and my brother like conspired and we were like, you know what, let's just ask dad if you can come to practice. So
0: then oh, you, so did? Have- you got together and yeah. conspired.
1: Yeah, so we asked my dad, and he was like, well, I've never seen a girl in there, so I'll ask, but I don't see, like, why not? So my dad asked the coaches, and they said pretty much the same thing. They were like, I mean, we haven't seen it around here, but,
0: I mean, we can't say no.
1: So I went, and ever since then, I, you know, kind of took off with it.
0: What club was this?
1: This was Lockport Junior Porters.
0: Got it. Okay. That's what's – I love that about Illinois is that there's these – there's the teams that are tied to the school. Then there's kind of these mega clubs that are – Super competitive, whether it's yeah. – when I was doing it, it was Martinez Fox Valley Elite. It was Vidim Cats. I still hate the Vidim Cats. That's another subject, though.
1: <laughs> but, I don't think anyone likes them. Man, I,
0: who does <laughs> like those guys? Seriously, I didn't realize that.
1: I don't even like themselves.
0: <laughs> God, they suck. Uh, I do have a little disdain because a kid from the Vidim Cats beat my brother in the finals of Akadev two years in a row at the same weight. And so I, I have a little disdain for that, but – the more I talk, the more I more I wonder who likes those guys. And if you're listening, <laughs> any Venom Cat guys, no offense taken. It was just at the time didn't love them. Um, and so, so when do you transition from kind of this this not not rec league, but more of like a, a school based club to an elite club, the Force? Um, how did that happen?
1: I think um, Joe Arquilla, the guy who started the Force, I think he actually reached out to my dad Okay. and asked if that it was some like if we would be willing to train there uh, me and my brother my brother was a kid too um but it was in Plainfield and we lived in Lockport so he was like is that going to be too far for you is that going to be something that's going to be an issue do you guys even want to come out here and my dad was like no like distance doesn't matter my dad would would have drove us you know across the country every single day if he had to um so we just started going there and we just had a, a bunch of partners there were so many good guys in the room um yeah yeah uh so that just like we just ended up sticking there until high school and um and then I switched over to overtime
0: oh you did yeah okay so man look at your coaches you have and we haven't talked about Oster yet I want to because that guy really good coach and like Lockport is one of the you know we look at Illinois wrestling and we're gonna move on to your Olympic international career but it's like there's the, the public high schools that do really well, then there's the private ones Lockport is a powerhouse, and yeah. state I don't know if they won the states when you were there or not, but talk a little bit about coach oster and the impact he had on you and like what makes him unique as a coach based on what you've seen
1: yeah, he's such a good guy um I think the thing that's different about uh Josh Oster compared to other coaches is that he's like he's training not only great wrestlers but he is also like growing great men and women he like teaches us how to be good people not just wrestlers so when your life is going good off the mat your wrestling is better so he not only gives us the skills to just you know go shoot a single leg he also teaches us how to you know diet sleep act in a relationship act towards our family um how like in situations with you know like In high school when you're growing up, situations of partying, drinking, driving, all that stuff, like he just set us up for life, not just for wrestling. He taught us all these things and he was never judgmental. He never really like yelled at us, but he gave us these tools to, you know, make the decisions on our own. And I think that like when you're making all the right decisions outside of wrestling, it makes you a better wrestler because you're not you don't have all these things in the back of your mind while you're training or while you're competing because your life's in order and that's something he um, teaches by example. Like, he's just a really good guy. He's, um, you know, led a really stand-up life. And he, you know, he's. it's easy to look at him and be like, you know, I want to
0: be like that. Yeah, he seems like a, and I I, I don't know him at all. I've never been in a practice with him. But he seems, uh, sorry, I thought I kicked over my heater there. <laughs> he seems very, <laughs> uh, very chill, like very relaxed. I've never seen him get excited, like mad or yelling. And, yeah. Uh, is that no, just he's how very- he is?
1: Yeah, he's very composed. I I don't think I've ever seen him yell. And then even like, you know, even at Olympic trials it was just like, you know, a hug and that was it. And I think that kind of composure too is like it also teaches you not to like, you know, wrestling is wrestling. It's not something like you should, you know, feel so distraught about and so sad about or something you should think like, "Oh, I'm the greatest ever." You know, right. like he keeps it composed. Like I think a lot of his what he sees value in is the person you are off the mat.
0: I love that. I love that. And yeah, I, I think I, I used to see him from afar and I'd always wonder like, what kind of, what was that school of thought or that, that kind of coaching style? Because it, all the Lockport guys seem to do really well and they're just very even keel kind of people, you know, I yeah. mean, but at the same time, you're known as having a super intense style. So, um, <laughs> you know, anyone can flourish under that. And so yeah. once you, once you left, um, Lockport, you went down to Tennessee, I believe, right? Kings mm-hmm. college. Okay. Yep. And then, so is this the point where you're like, listen, I know I'm going to be an Olympian. I know I want to do this full time. Or are you still, you still really didn't know at that point?
1: Um, I think I always, I think I kind of always knew once I started wrestling, I knew that it was, that it wasn't just going to be a hobby for me, that, um, that it was something that like, I was going to keep chasing down until I got it, which even though, you know, I did end up going to the Olympics, it's, I, you know, it's not complete for me because, what I think I'm capable of is bringing home a gold medal. So, like, I think in the back of my head, I always kind of knew. Um, But I think when I went to King, um, that was, like, kind of when I started really, like, it was getting close. I was dialing in, and I was, you know, I was like, let's
0: go now. Yeah. And so, leading up to the – so, 2016's trials, what – in 2015, were you at one of those weights where you had to move up or down, or were you at the Olympic weight in 2015?
1: I was at 53. So, so you were already the there.
0: Okay. And how yeah. did you do at the World Trials or like the World Team event in 2015? Did you make the team?
1: No, I hmm. uh, got third. Got third, okay. 53. Did you? And then I went to 48 for 2016.
0: Oh, so you did cut down. Okay. Mm-hmm. So going into the trials, I mean, Tevin, I guess, was that the first time you were wrestling at that lower weight, the Olympic Trials in 2016? Yeah. Yep. the first time. Wow, that's Was it tough?
1: Making weight? Yeah. Um, I mean, never competing
0: at that weight before? I mean, before the trials?
1: I didn't have that hard of a like I made weight pretty easily, but I think it's because I was really disciplined pretty far out. I had a really good nutritionist, um, you know, I was taking care of the weight um outside of practice, so I was still getting good training. Um, so no, it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. I think a lot of people didn't you know, I've had some of the girls on the senior level, just like girls that I used to look up to when I, you know, had bounced the idea of going 48 off. them. I had people tell me, you'll never make that weight. You'll never make 48. <laughs> and I think that kind of made me want to do it even more. Like having these girls with all these accolades and girls I had looked up to growing up and then being like, you'll never make 48. I was like, OK, let's let's see that. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, it and, um, I was living at the train center at the time, so I went home before Olympic trials, I think like 10 days out. Just so, because even though I was telling everyone I was going 48, no one really thought I was going to make 48. So I was like, you know what? Let's just finish the weight cut at home and let's keep these people guessing.
0: <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. And did, were your coaches, like did coach Steiner know you were going 48 or he still didn't really know?
1: No, he knew. He knew. Yeah. Okay. I think he knew I would make it, Um, you know, when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I think he knows that about me. Um, And, you know, all the people, all my coaches, all my family, they all know that about me. So when I said I was going to make 40, they were,
0: they 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 all knew. knew. And I've heard that when you went into that tournament, you were kind of wrestling really free. And, you know, you had expectations for yourself, but the rest of the field maybe didn't expect you to win it. And I think if you look at the seeds, it would say that. So kind of describe, like, what do you remember in terms of your mentality or, or how you felt going into the tournament that day?
1: Yeah. Um, so there's just like a lot of things. Like I was just really, I was ready mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, I had a good support system behind me. So, um, I went in, you know, and I remember looking in the mirror and in, in the morning, uh, at the hotel before I left and being like, the next time you look in this mirror, you know, you're going to be, uh, on the Olympic team, Like you're going to be, uh, Olympic team member. And, um, so I went to the tournament and I beat Lampy in the semis. And I remember um, as you're coming out, they like interview you and they were like, oh, like, how does it feel being the underdog? And that was like the first time in my head because, you know, even though other people might have been thinking that and the seed said it, like my family, um, my training partners, my coaches, you know, we all kind of just thought I was going to win. Like there was no, like, there was no doubt. Like I never thought like, well, like, what if I don't win? What's, what's going to happen then? Like we all just kind of assumed I was gonna win and that might like sound you know cocky or you know not like the right thing to say but when they asked me that I was like oh I'm like in my head I was like dang that's what it looks like to everyone else like I'm the underdog coming in here and taking people's spots that have been competing here you know for their whole career so right that was like the time it hit me when I was like oh like maybe these people didn't know like we
0: knew <laughs> and um how old were you at this time I was 21, 21. And so like, I feel like if, if you're in that spot that you were in that locked in zone, you probably honestly truly didn't realize you were an underdog. Whereas on the outside people would say, how could, how could you really not know that you're the underdog? But I mean, if you're that locked in, you don't care about what other people think you're just doing your own thing.
1: Yeah. And, um, I just like, I felt like I was at an advantage because because none of these girls had wrestled me before, uh, you know. I they had all wrestled each other a million times. Chun and Lampy have wrestled a million times. Vicky and Chun and Lampy and all, Aaron and all those girls had wrestled each other 20 plus times, and none of them had ever, you know, felt me or felt, you know, my power, my strength. So I think in the my head too, I was like, you know, like you guys wrestled each other all this time. Like I'm about to put it on you now. Here, here comes the real power.
0: You know? <laughs> Absolutely. So I just had, you know. so when you left the hotel that morning when you looked in the mirror and told yourself that let's say you had three hours until your first match where are you at mentally in between then and the three hours before you wrestle are you loose are you oh. kind of like hanging out with friends and family like what what, what yeah. what's the day in the yeah, life look like for you
1: when i compete i spend a lot of time with my dad and then um my training partner becca leathers so you know i just kept them around me um and we you know joke around laugh um Becca warmed me up, you know, we hung out, and then once it starts getting close to time, I just kind of, like, sit down
0: and get in the zone, you know. So are you tell meditating, family, or are you talking to yourself, or what does that look like?
1: But, um, Just meditating, like, just sitting there and, like, trying to – You know, I like to get my heart rate down as low as possible before my matches um, and in between my matches and just be as calm as I can so when I do go out there I can, like, unleash full, you know –
0: Full. Unleash the beast <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so come so you, you beat uh, Lampy in the semis and then going into the finals, it was best of three against Victoria Anthony. Going in it went to the third match or no? Yeah, it did. It did. Okay. So I mean going into match three is like game seven of the playoffs, right? It's it's a, it all comes down to that. So did you notice anything different going into that last match? Or were you still feeling as confident as you were that morning?
1: No, I, I felt confident that in the third match is actually, I think the one I beat her by the most. I think yeah. I wrestled the best in the third match. Yeah. I, even looking back on it, I don't really remember having doubt creep in and I think that's like an important part and like what I'm trying to really focus my energy on moving forward into 20 20 when you're confident in your training and your lifestyle and your, your support system, uh, There's no room for doubt to creep in.
0: Right.
1: So even after I had lost the second match, I never once like was like, dang, like what's gonna happen now? Like what if I lose this next one? And you know, there's no time for that. You have to. It's a quick turnaround. You have to be ready to go for that third match. And I think if you have that, you're gonna, you're gonna beat people. You're gonna, you know, because when when you don't let doubts creep into your mind, you know your your opponent might be over there thinking like, oh shit, like. What if I don't win? What if she does this? What if she does that? And But I'm not going to have that. That's not me. I'm not going to let that doubt creep in.
0: And then you won that match. Unbelievable feeling, I'm sure. But at the same time, you still had to qualify the weight, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're um, like, I like, I, was, I remember like smiling and then being like, oh my gosh, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> <laughs> how long did you, did you
0: have to qualify? To? Like how many weeks afterwards, Mongolia? 10 days. 10 days (laughs) shit oh my god so i mean and i i kind of know the answer to this that's why i'm asking but you know compare and contrast how you felt going into mongolia versus going into iowa city that morning
1: um i was nervous because to qualify this i I was a little bit more nervous for this one because to qualify um you have to make it to the finals of the qualifying tournament and I had never made it to the finals at a senior level tournament at that point in my career, only, um, juniors and cadets. So I was like, I'm going to have to do something I never did, but I would, you know, cut you know, try to keep that same mentality and intensity. And I knew that I was, you know, the strongest I've ever been, the fastest I've ever been, the quickest I've ever been, you know, mentally. Um, so I just had to, and I was like, you know, if there's a time to do it, it's now.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And then you go to the Olympics. I mean, I can't imagine what that's like, but I mean, just give us a little taste of what the, the Olympic village life is like. Is it as crazy as people say?
1: Yeah, it was really crazy. So I was supposed to, we had the option of staying at the village or um, going to our acclimation site. It was called Lonier. And um, I had a lot, like, you know, I had people telling me, go to because so you can focus. And then I had people saying, go to the village so you can have the full experience. So you know, I was like, okay, I'll stay at the village. And I stayed there for one night. And I was like, Nope, <laughs> bring me over to Lonier. And it was just like music pounding all night, like right outside her door, like strobe lights. And what? Uh, yeah, it was crazy. So I switched over right over to Lonier and that it looked like Jurassic Park. It was so beautiful. And then it was just like wrestling and fencing, I think there. So it was really like relaxed and We had our chefs there from the OTC, so it was really, like, familiar. So I switched over to Loneer, and I don't regret that. I would probably do it again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what – I mean, do people from other countries get together and hang out at that kind of thing? Or is it just, like, the U.S. track team, they're freaking partying because they don't compete for another 20 days or whatever?
1: I'm not really sure. I, I like – so I competed towards the end, too. I competed the 17th, and um, I think closing ceremony was the 23rd, so – I spent, you know, 20 days at Loneer, so I didn't really have that whole experience, but I did go back to the, I did go back to the village the last couple nights, and yeah, I hung out with some other um, athletes, Uh, like, yeah, track, mostly.
0: (laughs) I can can imagine, though, that when you're there, it's like, it's all business, it's one of your life goals, it's your sole purpose in life, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, cool to go, but you're there for a mission, and so... Heading into 2020, what does it look like now for you between now and April? How many tournaments do you have going on, and can I, do you have that all mapped out?
1: Yeah, um, I'm going to be going to Sweden um, here in I think two weeks, and then I'm going to be doing the wrestlaw for the Pan Am team February 8th, and then trials. Yeah.
0: Who do you who do you wrestle in that?
1: I'll wrestle um, Catherine for the prelims, and then Jakara two out of three.
0: Got it. Okay. And is that to qualify the weight for the Olympics?
1: Yeah, to go to the qualifier. And if you qualify the weight, you sit out to the finals of Olympic trials. So it's a pretty good incentive.
0: Wow. That's yeah. ooh, a lot of good wrestling coming up here. How is the uh, – like, when you look at your diet and nutrition, do you get pretty into that as well? Like, do you plan that out yourself? Um, no,
1: I have a nutritionist that I work with. And um, so I have a lot of people behind the scenes that really help out and – um but at this point i've been doing it so long that a lot of my diet is the same that i've been doing so um it's just like staying on track and you know not slipping up and being disciplined and all that
0: what does it look like for you like your actual diet are you a lot of like are you doing something like a lot of people now are doing a paleo thing or i mean how do you how do you like what does a meal look like for you
1: i don't really like i don't really get into all those like fad diets or stuff like that i think if you just have like a balanced diet of protein veggies and carbs every meal and portion control that's um really what i think is biggest for you know wrestling um but you know i was vegan for like five months and i really like that i think once i'm done wrestling i'll probably go back to that um but i just it's not optimal for training
0: did you notice a difference in like energy or
1: not training wise, but when I when I went to compete at World Cup, I felt like I didn't have like adrenaline. It was weird. Like I didn't feel bad. I just didn't feel like I could get like fired up. It was weird. Really? I have to look in. Yeah.
0: Don't the vegans are hating right now if they're listening to this? They're
1: uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm vegan. I felt really good. Like I've never. I didn't get sick for like the whole five months I was vegan, and my you know I, I felt great. But when I was like actually going into a six minute match, I couldn't like get adrenaline going or something. I don't know really how to explain it, but wow. I will do it again when I'm done. <laughs>
0: Good. to And then after wrestling, do you do you foresee any mixed martial arts in your future? No, I don't. Man. I, but, um, of all the girls, I would have said you for sure. You're such a, you're a fighter out there. You know, so intense.
1: I would love to do it, and I think it would be fun, but I've also, I just want to protect my brain after wrestling. I've had a, a couple concussions, and I just don't know how many blows to the head I can take <laughs> right. before I'm like completely brain dead.
0: <laughs> well you do you plan on wrestling after twenty twenty or is it too far too hard to say? Yeah. No you do? Okay.
1: I'll go until I can't.
0: And then the one thing I was gonna ask for sure is when do you foresee Division One wrestling at the women's level?
1: Um I'm acting pretty soon. I think within the next I think two to i think yeah probably two years within the next two years i think
0: i was asking ali about this as well do you foresee like the what's it called wcwa where they all put them together right now Mm -hmm. do you you think that's gonna go away or like division one kind of staying on its own because i would hate to take away from what you see it take away from what's going on now
1: yeah um i'm not really sure i haven't like i'm not that educated on this part so i don't know um but i think they would probably keep either WCWA or like NAIA and then have i think that's what they would end up doing even though i may not agree with it but like i said i don't really know much about it yeah that's a good question for julia salata <laughs> <laughs> you got to get her on the show next <laughs> so she's
0: uh, the, she's the expert there in that area yeah perfect well we'll definitely do that last question for you is you when you look at you know wrestling what's taught you and why you've been involved so long Like, how would you say it's changed your life, or what what has it given you that you take with you to this day?
1: So that's a good question, Um, and I'm super grateful for wrestling. I think sometimes you see um, these uh, high-performance athletes, and, and, you know, they're always like, I worked my butt off, I did a great, blah, 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 and that's why I'm successful. And I think with me, like, my journey's a little different because I do struggle with, you know, staying on track and discipline and there are days where you know like I'm like you know this sucks like this is a hard sport but with wrestling like I feel like if you it always like you always are always drawn back to it it always draws you back to being this like tough person so like even if you know there's days where I'm like struggling with discipline or temptation or you know staying on track like I I'm always like I put my heart and soul into the sport for 16 years and I'm not gonna wasted away for you know some partying or some fun like it so it's changed my life in a way it always draws me back to being that like strong tough person that i know i am deep down when sometimes like things in life can make you stray away from who you are it always brings me back to who i am and like centers me
0: and is it something where it's like the distractions are eating poorly or wanting to go out drinking or like, what are some of like the biggest vices that, that, that pull you back or pull you away from um, the sport, definitely. I should say.
1: I would definitely say the going out and, you know, like, cause I have a lot of my friends, um, aren't wrestlers. So going out and drinking and partying and I have four siblings and three of them are over the age of 21. So being, when I go home for holidays, like seeing them have fun and partying and, and I know it's like just attempt, like, you know, I'm, you know, it's only I can do that all later when I'm done, but it is definitely hard and that's something that maybe not a lot of people struggle with, but I do and I'm not afraid to admit it and I'm glad that I have wrestling to keep me balanced and keep me on track. So
0: Yeah. No, I I, I can imagine. I mean, do you not drink at all when you're training or you just don't like to go out all night?
1: Um, no, I'm not I won't be drinking until after trials.
0: <sighs> just laser focused. <laughs> yeah. Cold yeah. blooded killer. Uh, Yeah. Well, Uh, we are—we're pulling for you here. I love all the. uh, Yeah, I love wrestling in general, of course, but always have uh, have some love for the for the Illinois folks out there. And so, you know, wish you nothing but the best. Hopefully, we'll get to to get to chat a little bit at the trials once you're all done. But you know, good luck in the in the coming weeks here. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text wrestle to 555-888 that's Wrestle to 555 888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangeMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.